listen to Two Married Lesbians discuss an LGBTQ plus book each month that highlights the queer human condition as they use connection and humor to relate the issues to us as a queer community. She's Anna. And she's Miranda. I am. And we're two married lesbians. We are. And we're all queer here. All right. Welcome back for a very special bonus book. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow. Yeah. That, uh, that's pretty exciting. We just thought you couldn't. We couldn't get enough of ourselves? No, that's not right. <laughs> that's not how that works. <laughs> but just thought, n- not enough time in the month for, you know, books. But we're going to cram an extra one in there. So it's like, more books. I mean, that's never a bad thing, right? Never a bad thing. Listen from the library, and one of the digital apps on your way to work. Yeah. Listen during lunch. Yeah, just get that reading in there. Get it in there. Connect with those queer stories. Oh, absolutely. Speaking of connecting with queer stories, did you create that segue I just not, for me? I did not, but I saw your eyes light up. Ooh. So, exciting news. We did mention it on last episode about connecting with us on social media um, of course, at Facebook, it's All Queer Here Pod, um, at All Queer Here Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, we always want to hear from you at All Queer Here Pod at gmail.com. And brand spanking new that we're just telling you about, we are launching our website. Very big news. All Queer Here Pod.com. That's it. The end. That whole thing. That's it. That's us. And uh, we really hope you'll check it out. Worked really hard on it. Uh, Fitz, our pug, might make a uh, special appearance. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So uh, we hope you'll check it out. Let us know what you think, how you feel. Are there books we need to know about? Maybe we don't know about. Um, Are you seeing, you know, effects of you know, books being miscategorized in the library or or other forms of censorship or banning, you know? All right, let's get to All Boys Aren't Blue. Publishers Weekly suggests this title for ages 14 and up. Booklist suggests it for grades 9 through 12, so which is high school, so that's important. We'll come back to that. But it is our personal belief that despite the age suggestions, parents have the final say for what reading material is appropriate for their child. Mm-hmm. Speaking of parents, here is our warning. This book has some sexual content. Warning. This book has some sexual content. And we are going to talk about SEX during this podcast. So and if you-, you can't spell that sex... Yeah, that is sex. That's sex. So if you've got the littles around, maybe get some headphones or give them headphones. Just put headphones just, on someone. Someone should, <laughs> someone have headphones. should have headphones. But maybe not the combo of headphones on the littles with the podcast in the headphones. Right. That's the one you want to avoid. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the only but one. Every other combination should Works figure great. it out. Right. <laughs> so our author, George M. Johnson, is black and queer, as we see from the very beginning of this memoir manifesto, as it's called. Mm-hmm. I love that. I do too. Their website lists them as non-binary and they use they, them pronouns. All right. All right. So before we dive in, I just really, we got to talk about this. We touched on book banning a little bit last week. Yes. um, Or last episode where we talked about 
the self-censorship of our local librarians putting a YA book in adult fiction. Mm -hmm. So this book has some heavy news around it because it's been banned from schools and libraries in 15 states. That's unacceptable. It's according to zero states. According to the advocate. One of which is Texas, if you can believe it. I believe it. Mm -hmm. I believe that we are one of 15. Easily can can believe it. Can Texas calm down? No. I think they're leading the charge on some other people. Mm -hmm. All right. So our author, they comment in the Advocate article, I really wanted to give the youth, specifically black queer youth and LGBTQ youth, a resource guide, Johnson said to the Advocate. While this book's target audience was for young adults, it can also be a valuable resource for parents and guardians to better understand what life is like for queer adolescents. Mm-hmm. Quote, the reality is there is no topic that is too heavy for a child who could experience said topic. If a child can experience sexual abuse at the age of seven, a child should understand what sexual abuse looks like, how to handle it, how to discuss it, and how to talk about it, Johnson said to CBS News. I couldn't agree more. I mean, none of us are comfortable with the fact that kids that young can experience, you know, sexual abuse. But the fact that it does happen way too frequently, and I mean, that alone means, yeah, we should make sure kids understand what that looks like and help them see and understand in a way that doesn't build shame around it, where people just bury things and then kids don't get the help that they need. Oh, and that was something I really wanted to talk about and I can't wait to get into this book, is how incredibly supportive their family was and and how even the family members that didn't fully understand something or were really dealing with like generational or cultural biases, they were like, okay, I don't get it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna understand it because I love you and I accept who you are and I believe you when you tell me who you are. And I just, oh gosh, that was good. But I mean... That's jumping way ahead. <laughs> well, I have more bad news, but before that, I have good news. Oh, good. Good news. Yeah, so good before bad. So according to CBS News, Gabrielle Union, the actress and film executive, has reportedly signed an agreement with Sony Pictures TV to adopt the book into a series. <gasps> I cannot wait. I hope it is authentic to the text. I do, and too. And we're not shining around on some issues. You know I what I'm too. saying? I know. Um, But I just, I really felt like this book was such a... Um, authentic piece of self-discovery oh it was it was beautiful and i was like angry that i didn't have this as a kid like even though i'm you know much different than the author i'm white i'm female i'm lesbian but i resonated so much with the story oh there were so many parts of it absolutely so many commonalities that even though our journeys were very different i was like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. you know and i that's exactly what makes the LGBTQ plus community so amazing is even though there there are so many differences between each of us, there's so many touchstones that we can kind of connect see. with. Oh yeah, it's just like so this good. would have been the book that I like lost air quotes <laughs> from the school library and like had to pay for because I was like, oh sorry, mom, some book about princesses, like you know, <laughs> just found it. Okay. Um, okay, so now back to the bad news. I was hoping it would just go away. All right. We've seen an increase in bannings, particularly in school libraries. Unacceptable. All right. So the American Library Association has an office for intellectual freedom and they track book bannings. So in 
the year 2021. That doesn't seem okay, right for ready? what's about oh, to come out of your mouth. Okay. I think what you mean to say is 1489. No. Or some, okay. Well, they're still tracking them. 1682. Nope. Uh, 1793. Nope. We are in 2021, which was last year. Oh, gosh. They tracked 729 challenges to library, school, and university materials and services. So some of those services can be like um, drag queen story time. That was a big thing in North Texas a but little bit ago. But it's awesome. It is awesome. And amazing. Right. And um, people need to calm down. That's so like, I'm going to say a lot of numbers, and then I'm going to come and I'm going to compare them. Okay. So in total for last year, 1,597 books were targeted. That's a huge number. That is, that is so many books. Right. Of the top 10, they do a top 10 books each year. Okay. Of the most challenged. Five so half were related to LGBTQIA+, which is how they they categorize it, content. Not something we want to top the list right. on. Do you want to guess out of the 10 which one Johnson's was? Um, I'm going to go with number two. Three. You were close. Oh, I was you so close. You were so close. I think I know what number one was. I don't remember. I didn't write it down. Oh, really? I, I was dumb content for this book. Okay. It was Ginger Queer. I knew it. Okay, I was going to say, I wait a minute, it's it. popping up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's popping up. Okay, yeah. Such a good book, too. Um. Okay, so for 2020, so the year, just the year before, when the world was somewhat-ish normal, mm. 156 challenges to library, school, and university materials and services, 273 books were targeted. Of the top 10 for that year, only one had LGBTQIA plus content. Oh. So other years mirror at least one to a few books with queer content, just consistently through the mm-hmm. years I went through. Mm-hmm. So just as like a, a snapshot from the year 2020 to 2021, we went from 273 books targeted to 1,597 books targeted. There are too many That's more bored than people. five times the number. That too many bored people. A lot of people are putting these lists together. So there's a state representative oh, okay. from Texas doing that. There's a lot of gr- parent groups that get together. They basically go to a database and type in like LGBT, gay, queer, lesbian, like all this stuff. Books about abortion. Books about teen pregnancy. Sorry, teenagers have sex sometimes. <gasps> and then they get pregnant because they don't always know what to do and what not to do. Because schools very frequently don't actually teach any sort of... Sex ed? Yeah. It's 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 all, well, at least in Texas, it's abstinence or nothing. And then sometimes it's nothing. And, I mean, we're not even going to mention trying to have sex with people that, you know, are of the same sex or people outside gender. Yeah, yeah. None of it's mentioned. So right? book bannings, some of the top reasons for... For bannings or LGBTQIA plus content, violence, political viewpoint, and if it's sexually explicit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Shortly after that is witchcraft, which <laughs> makes me laugh. I'm sorry. All the Harry Potter bannings. And then the gender dysphoria, racist content, anti-police, graphic illustrations, transgender character. Yeah. And then somewhere in there must be language. So, but those are the biggest ones. And then I want to say this because some people are kind of confused on this. And I know like it's really important to know the difference. So, so before a ban actually happens, before they go out and take the book out of the school or out of the local library, first a challenge has to happen. 
So a challenge is an attempt to remove or to restrict materials or services based on content. Okay. The tricky part is some, well, some people say they've read all of it, but they really haven't. And you're supposed to have read it in its entirety to not take something out of context. So that's my biggest thing. Yeah. All right. So what's a ban? So that's a challenge. What's a ban? A ban is the removal of materials or cancellation of services based on content. And that is, that's for censorship by the numbers, um, by the American Library Association's Office of Intellectual Freedom. Okay, so this is what's so enraging to me, is you have a group of people just searching book databases by keywords, including LGBTQ. But that's what I'm assuming. I mean, oh. how, how else would you randomly get a, li- like, did you go to Amazon and just look for gay books? Like... I- there's no know. way you just went and found all of those titles by all of those authors. Well, they certainly didn't read them all. No. Um, one of my one of my friends who lives, you know, further further outside of the the big city, um, where things are even worse, if you can believe it. Uh, <laughs> I can't. I used to live over there, but anyway, I digress. Um, but uh, one of the things that she and some other parents. Um, are are dealing with is there is a group of people actively they're shopping this list around and in actively engaging these small libraries and trying to get stuff removed i don't know how when they're they're not residents i know that's what i'm like how are they doing this not a news story can we send someone out there here's i know right can we just send a little i have it on good authority pride reporter i uh, i'm getting the scoop you know i don't know but i mean i mean let's let's think this through right so if there's a group of people that are like we hate the gay because we know they're out there. And the trans people. And the Don't trans people. Don't forget the transgender people. We hate everybody in the in the umbrella category. Um, but if that's a group and they're like, hey, we don't like these folks. If you get one resident out of all these different places, like, because when you meet online, generally speaking, you're not all from the same place. So what if that's what's going on? If there's just like a group of people... And they're like, oh, you you have a you're in this city. Go to your library. Here's our list. Like it's like a group think hate book banning. Like what is going on? Is that what's happening? I mean, how does this work? Because it's awful. And it, that that list has to keep growing because yes. books come out every day that libraries get rather quickly from publishers. And yeah. So they have them, you know, pretty pretty quickly after they release to have them on display. Okay, well, I got a, I got another question, follow-up question mm. to my um, attempt at trying to figure out how group hate works. Uh, is there something that we can do, the people that want the books at the library? Can we say, hey, those people are jerks. Bring it back. Well, if you know of school board meetings where they're going to discuss any book bannings, mm-hmm. Try to, I mean, it'll be in the paper. Most papers cover it, especially now. Mm-hmm. Try to learn about the books. Even if you don't have time to read them, try to learn as much about them as possible. And you can speak as on behalf of as a parent or as a citizen and be like, you know, like say this book came up for, for a local school board and I was a resident and I would have been like, 
I'm, you know, not sure. I haven't had time to read it. I'm not sure all what's in it, but I know that, you know, the it's about a non-binary person. And that's really important that for me to have that representation and, you know, Booklist recommends it for grades nine through 12. I'm, I'm not sure what the issue is other than it just being, you know, a discriminatory decision to remove it. So uh, things like that. So, um, you know, contacting your school board members, that's just really the big one. And also local libraries, aside from being aware of what's in your library, mm-hmm. You know, as far as queer books, a lot of um, people just buy their books or they do secondhand or they, Mm -hmm. you know, borrow books or they do digital, a lot of digital, so they haven't stepped inside a library in a long time. Mm -hmm. Well, your your digital collection might be totally different than what's in the the stacks. So go take a look. Go online. Look at the online catalog. You don't have to leave your house yet unless you want the book you find. (laughs) So, yeah, you've got that option. So I think a lot of it is just being being aware Mm -hmm. and keeping a good eye on, on the news coverage of it. Cause a lot of book bannings happen quietly, but they also lately have been happening a lot more publicly. And yeah. that's the good thing. Parents have the right to say what is right or wrong for their child to read. Mm-hmm. They don't have the right to say what's right or wrong for other people's children to read. I agree. So yeah. So just be aware of what's going on in your community. I, as I'm much glad, as you can, cause yeah. there's a lot of news out there. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I didn't even know that, you know, they would publish ahead of time, like when school board meetings and things are. But yeah, I mean, I imagine that it's a whole lot of uh, angry, uptight people that are trying to, you know, encourage the the process of book banning. And uh, there probably aren't a lot of people that are speaking out against it. Because, I mean, I know for myself, I would have just been like, Wait, what? And and fi- I'd be the type that would find out after the fact and then be angry. Like, it's too late now. I mean, you know, you could always try to revisit it in a little while. But, yeah, it's tough. Once once they're out, it's really hard to get them back in. Gosh, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and you've said this before, and I love it. Um, <laughs> you were telling me the other day that the book ban lists are, like, must-reads. Like, some of the best reading. Oh, yeah. It's like... My whole to be read pile, <laughs> to be art, absolutely. Because there's if there if a book is banned, there is some kernel of truth within it mm-hmm. that you must read, mm-hmm. and you must devour the whole book as soon as possible. Yes. So because this book, and I knew it had been banned in a lot of places, I didn't know quite fifteen. That's so that's actually how their book got on my list mm-hmm. initially because it was a banned book. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, this is, you know, this is on my list and, you know, until I, I, I get a hold of it. And um, in thinking about our bonus book, I was like, I'd really like to to get that read. Like, it seems really great, you know. Um, and then I was like, whoa, 15 state. This is insane. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I hope, you know, it just makes people read it even more and, and find the truth and know that people are afraid of knowledge mm-hmm. and they're afraid of, of spreading the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's what queer books do is they spread knowledge and they spread truth. And so by banning them, you're trying to ban an entire group of people, an entire group's existence. Mm-hmm. And that's not okay. No, it's not okay. It's not so easy to erase us. Mm-mm. Nope. I, uh, I gotta say, so I was, I'm trying to remember 
where I originally heard this because it's so good and I want to like give them props. Um, but I've been listening to so many podcasts, it's just hard to say. Uh, but uh, somebody wiser than I was talking about when you have, especially when you talk about strangers who just hate other. They hate and they'll speak out and yell at people or, you know, um, be violent, you know, whatever. However, that, that hatred manifests itself. Um, and they kind of brought up the concept of how our queerness, whether it be our gender identity, whether it be, um, our, you know, our sexuality, whatever it is, is basically we aren't obeying the rules that they were told they had to. And at some point in their life, they wanted to be different than what the norm was and were told, no, you can't. And whether that was a, a little boy who cried and his dad, you know, was like, oh, that's for sissies and you can't cry, boys don't cry, whatever. And that stuck with him and he grew up and then he sees someone walking down the street that is the exact opposite of what he was told normal was and what he was told he had to be. Um, and that that abrupt visualization of the difference between what that person was, was sold as this is what you have to do versus us just walking around being awesome and amazing and enjoying our, our freedom, our freedom and our lives and being just queer as heck. I would be angry too, but here's the deal. You don't have to be a jerk and you don't have to have hatred in your heart. Be angry at the patriarchy, be angry at the person that kept you down and then go home and self-examine and go to therapy and go to therapy. Oh my gosh. Go to everybody. Just stop what you're doing. Turn off the podcast, go to therapy, come back, finish listening. Yeah. But all the therapy, but I mean, seriously, like it's such a, uh, a nuanced issue, but I don't know. I just, I really like the way that that was kind of encapsulated. And it's I was like, like extremely homophobic people for the, since the dawn of time have themselves been closeted. So not all of them, but yeah, but many good, many of them. Yeah. So speaking of which, let's jump into this book's amazing content. Yes, yes, yes. They, they talk early on about the gendering of children, which I know we both feel very strongly about. Um, you know, the gender reveal parties are just very, ugh, and cringeworthy and mm -hmm. the, the norms that heterosexuals force on children as gender identities are becoming more and more expansive, mm -hmm. that we kind of continue to increase these norms. How do you think about that? I, um, I understand that as a parent, you're really excited to celebrate your kid. And I get that. But celebrating an infant's genitalia, I think is weird. Um, Celebrate the kid, celebrate, oh my gosh, we got a baby or we adopted a kid, you know, whatever it is, right? Celebrate that. But you don't know who that child will be. And as a parent, we can say just because 
you have an idea of what you want your kid to be, they may not be that. And also stop with the bow taping. Stop taping bows to bald baby girls' heads. Okay? Because I was one of those babies. And I hate those baby pictures because there shouldn't have been tape on my head. Is it visible? No. I don't know. That's not the point. The point (laughs) is you shouldn't have to prove or show that someone is a girl just because they're a bald baby. They're a baby. They're unisex. Oh, I agree. Unisex until they decide otherwise. Mm-hmm. And when I say they, I mean that baby. Mm-hmm. Preferably old enough to like stand up and stuff. But you know, as soon as they can say how they feel, go for it, baby. Tell us who you are. Yeah, I... Oh gosh, that is... <laughs> Quit putting tape on bald babies. That's all you know. Pretty you much, know? yeah. I think the less we drastically try to just hold on to weird conventions that don't serve anybody but just cause harm i think the better off we'll be and i I think gender reveal parties are just another another one on that pile you know yeah we need to be done with those they're just really annoying and there's like confetti and glitter and it's just wasn't there one where some lady farted dust I think it was like powder. Yeah, that one was weird. That was weird. That was a weird video. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of weird stuff out there. Everyone's got to outdo it. It's like the, you know, the huge proposal, you know, mm-hmm. and now we've got to have the crazy gender reveal. Well, I hope you don't have more than one kid because now you can come up with more than one idea, whereas you usually only have to come up with one proposal. Well, if you do it right. If you do it right. So, <laughs> yeah, but just, you know, really focusing on, on just that big reveal is just, don't you just want a healthy baby yeah but i mean like i'm also like why so we just found out a thing that may not be true well very i mean how often even in this book they were like it's a um it's a girl and then they came out running back it's a boy yeah and it's like that happens all the time even Mm -hmm. i know that the scans are a lot more um technologically advanced now but still i did like that and this is skipping ahead a little bit, but I, I liked that they really spoke about how therapy isn't talked about in mm-hmm. the black community. And I mean, obviously that's not the only community where therapy is not talked their about lived or, or un, uh, under underutilized. I love the double Dutch and the football story and their reflection on how sports reflect masculinity. Mm-hmm. I wrote down this quote, the audacity of society to infuse manhood into a child's life. Mm. I thought that was really powerful when we think about, you know, they were like, I'm still good at football and double dutch. Yeah. You know, that since you can have both, why do you need to choose? Why are we on this got to get to manhood path? Yeah. I And I, I absolutely think that's ridiculous for a kid. Um, I want to go... We went forward. I want to go back. So the moment where they talk about getting jumped as a five-year-old was incredibly alarming. That was another one of those. I had to, I was listening to audiobook again, deposit. I had to scream at the car radio and be like, no, what? No. And rewind and do it again just to be sure I heard correctly. The good side there was... Their family, you know, was there. I mean, they were, 
you know, doing everything they they could, cousins jumping in and, and protecting them, and, um, and the family came together and just being held by their mother, you know. But the the quote that really stuck with me, and I, I may not have this quite right, but I think I got it. But I just, I absolutely love this, was my lips became protection for the smile that was stolen. And even though obviously I can't relate to that, I didn't have that experience, I relate so much to having a moment as a kid that was traumatizing and then even though we had very different experiences and, and different sources of trauma, like I relate so much to kind of how a, as a human in the world, you, you create these ways of, of masking that trauma. Um, and, uh, you know, for them it was, you know, their, their lips not smiling, you know, those sorts of things. And, um, I mean, we all have, we all have, uh, I was gonna say we all have our own lips. Yes, we do. But like, we all have those things that we, that we kind of use as a, a crutch or a mask. So. Absolutely. That was a really powerful story. Mm-hmm. On a lighter note, I really loved it when they talked about when Nanny tells them when they date a boy she has to meet him first oh yeah i loved that um i loved nanny so much i just i loved how they were talking about how even though nanny didn't have words for some of these things and even though nanny um it might have struggled with what was it their aunt that was trans I think so. Um, you made a lot of queer family members. Yeah. That, how awesome is that? Older half-brother, Gigi, Yes. Yes. Trans cousin, Hope. Oh, it was cousin, not, not right, aunt. It was cousin. It was and cousin. they mentioned their birth name, which I thought was interesting, but I guess also in that context it was relevant. Okay, I gotcha. Um, but anyway, I just loved that Nanny saw that George was going to need, you know, to create community and would encourage George to do all these different things to to create community as they aged um and also that nanny like literally created a nonprofit for George to volunteer at yeah that's pretty awesome I mean okay so we all need Nick's mom from Heartstopper <laughs> and nanny from all boys aren't blue like and then just oh, okay great and we'll find a dad along the way yeah okay <laughs> or maybe another mom i mean you know whatever they also mentioned at some point you know whether you're born gay whether you're born queer or grow into it mm -hmm. and their comment was it doesn't matter because it's who you are and i think you're born queer and then you grow into it i don't As know that it has to be either or that's your that's your argument yeah, because I think the grow into it, people kind of could lean on while you're making them gay. No, like you just, you're not always you know, like a shining star mm -hmm. as you come out of the womb. Mm. You know, it took me a little while, it took you a lot longer. It did, to, it to did. To come out as queer, so definitely, I definitely think you can be born queer and then grow into it. I don't know how I feel about the whole like grow into it. I mean, I definitely feel that I was 
I was born gay. I have a, I have a t-shirt that says such, but I do feel that way. And I mean, it took me a long time to grow into it, to feel comfortable and to just be like, boom, here I am. Better late than never. Fabulous now. Uh, sorry about the, the last 34 years. They were, uh, we needed some rewrites. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I do think that as queer people, we typically, we typically have kind of a stilted, um, everything gets pushed back, like a stilted adolescence when it comes to like dating and, and, and everything. So like often, you know, if, if your straight friends are dating in middle school and high school, as a queer person, or at least when, you know. Yeah, I said, not necessarily. So, yeah. Some of the more progressive areas. Are they? Are they? That's great news. They're doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I mean, great for you. Was it great for me? <laughs> great, for, great for them. Great for them. Just be yeah. careful. Careful with your heart. Careful with your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's awesome news. I, I, uh, I do think um, queer generations are shorter than straight generations. Like, you look at uh, just like our age difference. Yeah. You had a, a slightly different queer experience than than I did. Like, sometimes I'll mention stuff and you're like, what? That's... Yeah, just in the five years. Yeah. Interesting. I um I did appreciate the bringing up, like, gay lingo and about how straight folks and, and uh, society kind of steals the words and uses them without any of the fear of harm. And I thought that was a really good point. Like, yes, queen, and, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's great and fun to say, uh, but, you know, you saying that if you're a straight person and safe is, hits a little different. Well, they talk about being black first in the white community and queer first in the black community. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about reclaiming the N-word and that some people think there's just too much hate behind it to ever reclaim. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically it should make white people uncomfortable because yes. there's a pretty significant history there yes and white people shouldn't have an opinion on it i say this as a white person yeah i would agree yeah i would agree but i i have used queer as an example before as reclaiming words and mm-hmm. that queer used to be pretty negative obviously mm-hmm. not for as long or not in the, by no means the same context as oh, the absolutely agreed but um that word came back around as a as to reclaim and to describe and now it's an umbrella term so Mm -hmm. words do evolve Mm -hmm. um but the history still needs to it needs to be acknowledged needs to be remembered yeah it needs to be remembered and needs to be acknowledged and i think you know if it makes white people uncomfortable i think we should do (laughs) (laughs) that's the bar we measure it by just because but um you know that like that's i just i'm glad that that they address that i think that's important yes i absolutely i agree um, I just, the few times that I've heard a white person use that, like the, the full word, I just, it's like, I don't want to say nails on a chalkboard because that would just be like, oh, it's annoying. No, it's horrendously awful. Why are you allowed to talk? Please get away from me. You're awful. Like it, it just kind of defies 
I don't know. It it it. I cannot come up with a word that explains how heinously awful it is. It's not a social contract. It's just you don't do that. Was it a white male? Oh yes. Well, because you have okay, so you got this economy of a white privileged male mm-hmm. who can essentially in society do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Gets lower, you know, legal sentences, mm-hmm. and you or tell, none or none community service. And you're telling them that they can't say a word? There's just one? Well, they're going to say it. Mm-hmm. Because who's to tell them no? So I think I really i am thinking about this now. Like, that's the group you don't say no to. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you just need to start listening. Yeah. I, I don't understand why that specific group. I mean, I mean any group that, any person, I don't want to say group, but any person that balks at being told that a word harms somebody. Being told, hey, this is harmful. Don't do it because you're hurting someone. And when they, A, don't listen, they just go, just skip right over, oh, you're asking me not to actively harm somebody with my words. They skip over that and they immediately direct it back at themselves and go, what? I'm so sick of this PC culture and how I can't say what I want to say. All these words are changing and I don't like it. And it's like, okay, but real talk, are you saying you've never changed your vocabulary ever? So like, are you still talking about VCRs and floppy disks when you mean you know, backing your phone up to the cloud and watching a movie on iTunes. Like, is that what you're talking about? Because those are examples of how our language has evolved. Have you ever had a female friend that got married and now her last name is different? Did you walk up to her and say, I do not recognize you as Mrs. Carlson. You will forever be Miss Slaw. No, you Those go. Are terrible names. I know. I was just trying to come up with white people names. Okay. All right. But anyway, you don't do that. I've, I've never heard somebody have an issue with those things. Right? No, that's that's definitely true. I've never heard like the technology example used before. Yeah, but they you didn't they didn't say you couldn't say VCR. Like I can walk around and mutter, oh VCR, VCR. Because <laughs> that's just what I like to do when I'm alone. <laughs> but you, Maybe that is what these people are doing when they're at home. They they say the N-word out loud in public and then they go home and they mutter VCR. Well, they need to be doing something else by themselves <laughs> to release steam. <laughs> Learning new words and how to have empathy? Yes, that's what I mean. Thank you for picking up on that. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, I'm going to segue us pretty closely on into microaggressions. Mm. Because there's a lot of them out there. Mm -hmm. And On on both a racial side and and a a queer queer side. side. Yeah, they talk mainly about a time, I think it was in high school, Mm -hmm. where they're sitting in a class... And the teacher says, you know, slavery was a thing of its time. Oh, boy. Meaning oh, that one. Right. Me, and for a minute, I was like, what? Like, and then it's just meaning it was just the norm back then. And so I think of unacceptable that. Unacceptable statement. Unacceptable statement because 
if it was just the norm and it was okay, then we'd still have it. There was a it problem. It was never okay. It was never okay. There was a huge problem with it. On multiple levels. Multiple, like I can't even like fathom how horrendous this is. And that's why we essentially got rid of it and went to war and fought for it. Well, I but mean, there's a, there's a, there's there, was, there, was, there was a lot. Complex issues going I, on. I love that they brought up, there were abolitionists. So if it was a thing of its time, mm-hmm. then why were there people that opposed this? Mm-hmm. It's because it was wrong. It was awful. It was heinous. And the end. Like, that, you don't have to go further. But that comment sounded like you were trying to justify... Mm-hmm. slavery because people were upset about people trying to take down a monument because they were a slave owner. You know, like, well, it was just one bad thing against them. I'm sure they did other things, but are we really saying that slavery wasn't bad enough to take down a monument? Yeah, I'm pretty sure slavery was bad enough. I think that was bad like, enough. Like, you could just be like, here is a perfect human at everywhere else, but then they were also a slave owner. Okay, now they're just instantly... Putting them with with Nazis, like in my book, like that's you're just terrible, and I, you, mm, you can't rectify that. You can't. You you can't say that it was ever okay or justifiable to own another human being. No, there's no way. There's no way to do that. I really struggle with the level of anger that rises inside me when I don't say white people I've never heard it out of anyone else's mouth the minute I do I'll tell you but when I hear white people make comments like that and I'm just like you so don't get it it's ridiculous and there's nothing you can say in like a soundbite to make the situation better or to change their mind no so I always just get really frustrated and I say what I don't mean or I say something that's different but it's not as sharp as I intend you know that yeah. kind of thing yeah and of course you think of the perfect response an hour later yeah and then you have it for next time and hopefully you can you know pull it back up yeah well and then I think for me one of my struggles is people will say stuff like that out of nowhere and you're like it's like getting hit with a car right and then as you've been hit with the car and you're very what just happened? We were making copies at the copy machine and you said a racist thing that's ridiculous. Sometimes those comments hit you and it's like you're gobsmacked and you're just like, I I don't have a what? And it takes your brain long enough to like, Put the I don't pieces know. back together. Yeah, to be like, what? You just shattered the whole thing. You're terrible. This is new news. Especially if it's a work environment, because you're like, oh boy, and I have to see you again. But yeah, I mean, I just, sometimes comments catch you off guard, and it's, the moment's wrong, or you you can't quite get that response, and I hate that. And even if you can, it's hard to correct that, especially in a, in a workplace. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just makes you hope. That the HR department can be on the correct side. All right, so you wanted to talk about queer, queer, queer microaggressions. microaggressions. Have have you heard any? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have. How about you? Oh, yeah. Just like, you don't look gay. That one. That one probably hurts, huh? But you're wearing a dress. Because <laughs> it has pockets. <laughs> um, and yeah. it was on sale. Yeah. My, my favorite is like, I bring up my son and uh, people are like, well, who, like, whose son is he? Like, but like, which one had him? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's not okay to ask it that way. Also, none of your business. Also, like, let's, let's just go a few levels here. And then initially I would just answer. I would be like, well, actually, you know, I didn't come out until late in life and I was in a marriage with a man for 10 years and that's how I, I was like, no, no, I don't owe that to anybody. I don't need to tell everybody that. That's, it's none of their business. I know. If I want to, great. But like, not when you're asking, at, quote unquote, asking me with your microaggression nonsense. Ugh. Yeah. There's all kinds of things. Absolutely. Do you think you get better at answering them? Um, I have gotten better, but it's, it's something I've had to make a concerted effort on because I, uh, I have a kind of a, a, a crutch that I've used for years of, I'm a people pleaser, hmm. which isn't, isn't a positive trait. I learned in therapy is not it's not a good thing i feel like you could do more housework if you're a people pleaser oh no no babe i've done therapy and i've gotten better at not being a people pleaser okay well if you ever have that tendency again i've got a <laughs> list of chores oh I've, okay I'll, I'll keep you i'll keep you uh up to date on that yeah I appreciate that <laughs> i want to talk about a startling statistic because mm. i knew it was high but i didn't think it was quite this high they talk about the rate of homelessness mm -hmm. for LGBT youth is close to 40%. Mm. I really thought we were further along than that. So did I. That's rough. That's heavy. I mean, because what a, what a time to be homeless. I mean, you know, being a teenager is scary and everything feels like the end of the world even in the, the best situation, I can't imagine going through your adolescence, going through school drama, going through, uh, you know, trying to come out or coming out or whatever. Or just being questioning. Mm-hmm. Not, let alone the kids that have it figured out. Like, just yeah. trying to figure that out. And then on top of all of that, to be, you know, struggling with homelessness, that's just... Oh, that's rough. That's rough. Yeah. On that same note, our author suggests that we tell those who say it gets better. You remember that campaign? Mm -hmm. It gets better. We tell those who say it gets better to make it better. And I, I loved that line because so often I feel like, well, it's better than when I was a kid or this or that. And then we just, ju again, we go back to justifying it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, we have to make this better. We need to go to city council. We need mm -hmm. to go to the school board. We need to go to our boss. We need to say like, hey, they're saying homophobic. We need to go to HR. Say yeah. They're saying homophobic things. Or, hey, we need sensitivity training. Yes. 
and try to make it better for the people that are here now. Not yeah. it will get better once you graduate and go and, on and, and do can things. Go somewhere else. Yeah. That's no. That's not no. Don't leave Texas. Oh, I'm so tempted. <laughs> I know I'm tempted too, but <laughs> you can make it better. Mm-hmm. And I just I just thought that that was a nice kernel of hope and also like a call to action. A call to action to encourage their readers to get off the couch and read this book and then when you're finished get off, the, get off the couch and do something yeah hey and one of those things could be checking the newspaper for, for when for possible book bannings because absolutely of them, some of them happen quietly yeah yeah or, or running for school board if you are so inclined or, or volunteering for someone who wants to run and ask them about books or those types of things so, yeah all kinds of things one of the most difficult parts in the book was reading about the um the sexual abuse that that George um went through with their cousin with their cousin um and then later you know the schoolmate in mm-hmm. the bathroom yeah um and i re- it really resonated with me when they were talking about how they were like I contemplated whether to write about you now that you are dead. Mm-hmm. And it just like there were just like several lines that were variations on that. Mm-hmm. And about how they were talking to, you know, all these different family members and they mentioned th- this kind of idea of why do we consider the people that wronged us, their feelings more when they caused us pain than considering our own feelings and telling our story when it was something that happened to us. And I was like, whoa. Like, I mean, it just like, my brain exploded. Oh, that was just powerful. What did you think? I think sometimes we protect the people who've hurt us because we didn't get the same protection. Mm, like, look from, at, like from look them. Look at you just <laughs> putting that out there. I I'm, like it. I'm just saying, so I think like because, you know, something traumatic happened to us and horrific that we just, in talking about it, we naturally lean toward protection. Mm-hmm. Even like even with him being dead and like mm-hmm. wondering if they were going to write about this. Mm-hmm. That was a very powerful, powerful passage. Oh yeah. I, uh, I mean, there were multiple parts in this book that I cried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, chapter 10, I cried a lot. Um, this one, I, chapter I, 10, what was in that? Um, I don't have it memorized like some people. <laughs> uh, was that the one Oh, I guess you don't have it memorized. Either. I don't either. I want to say chapter 10 was the one where, like, Nanny, they're talking about Nanny dying. Or... That was a rough one. I was like, she can't die? I uh, Turns out, if you live long enough, you eventually die. Yeah, that's that's proven to be true. Yes, it's proven <laughs> to be true. Um, but I, uh, I also really, I liked in chapter 13 when they were talking about uh, coming out and that 
when you come out, how it's just billed to us as you do it and it's one big thing and then it's over. And it's like, no, you're always coming out for the rest of your life. You're coming out on the airplane. You're coming out at the gynecologist's office. You're coming out at school. You're coming out at work. You're coming out at the gym. You're coming out in the bathroom. You're coming out on an airplane next to a person that you're trapped you said airplane, I think. I know, but it just, you're trapped there for you're four hours. Well, you can change seats with someone. Well, not that's, easily. that's a whole thing. It's no, a folder. It is. Okay. Okay. But like, I really, I really liked that. And I liked how they were calling out. They're mentioning, hey, you know, sometimes people were, people were asking me if I was gay before I was ready. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, that really resonated with me. I mean, I had people asking me if I was gay when I was in like, fourth grade and i was like at that point in time were they wrong they were not wrong i (laughs) okay wait till you hear the context for this so my parents uh wanted us to be cultured and so they were like we're gonna go to the symphony if you want you can invite a friend i was like yeah i'll invite my best friend and so i do and she's like, okay, I'll go. And we're sitting there at the symphony with my parents. And she turns to me and she goes, Miranda, can I ask you a question? I was like, sure. She goes, are you gay? And I was like, yeah, I'm really happy. Because that's all I knew gay meant. That was... It was well, the, your poor parents. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, oh boy, turns out yes. Yes, I am gay. So your first response was right. <laughs> absolutely classic well um all in all wonderful book oh i'm not done yet oh i've got uh, another a couple little tidbits to talk about give us the tidbits okay so just a couple things where when they're little they said that they weren't sure if they were a boy a girl or a science project i just love that line because for people who've ever felt kind of in the middle or in between or whatever, that's how you feel. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really hard growing up for them because being a man meant that you must be straight and masculine. I did really love what they were talking about with the fraternity. I was going to say, that's all on my list too, but so go oh, ahead and okay. talk about that. But uh, just that... They found for the first they time found in their, their life, yeah, when they joined the fraternity, yeah, because they could they could get that that kind of brotherhood and, and that the close connection and the showmanship and all these things that they were excellent at and that they craved, but they could basically get the loyalty of that group brotherhood of that brotherhood, um, and and then that could kind of you know, not bring up the whole, are you gay? Um, even though it did get brought up. And when their brother died, mm-hmm. and then they kind of remembered how they had those outing conversations of who was coming out to him and who was telling him. And looking back, they were like, oh, I probably... Because they'd come out oh, to yeah. their gay frat brothers. Yeah. So they're like, I probably shouldn't have been outing people. But you don't think about it in that moment. Yeah. But it's a good lesson for people it now. It is a good this, lesson. This is a good resource guide. It really is. It's like, here's the landmine. For the, for the youngins. For the youngins. But like, here's a landmine is stepped in. Try to avoid that one. Here, if somebody does this to you, here's here's what I learned. What happened to me? Like, yeah, it's so... Um, 
it's one of the things I really love about queer culture is it's kind of just like this oral history that we we pass on in various forms of media because, you know, they won't put us in actual history books. Mm, true. Mm-hmm. We have to write our own. There are not too many straight people writing about queer history. And that's unfortunate. There's a lot of queer people in history and they're really gnarly and awesome. Did you just say gnarly? I said gnarly. It oh, felt right. Boy. I okay. stick to it. Well, I have another tough statistic. Uh-oh. I don't the, like these. I know. But I think it's important to mention them. It is. So the CDC, to so the Centers for Disease Control, mm-hmm. say 50% of black men who have who have sex with men and a quarter of Latino queer men will contract HIV. And then Johnson argues that they need queer sex education. Agreed. They say there will be pushback um in the chapter the pushback so let's get to that what do you what do you think about queer sex education it's so important in texas no i don't care everywhere (laughs) because like you look at teenagers they're going to have sex like the end like no amount of abstinence teaching is going to stop the teenagers that are gonna have sex from having sex. What you can do... Is scare them. No, that would be kind of what I was just talking about. No. Okay. I know. What you can do is you can teach them how they can do it safely. And you can provide resources, i.e. condoms and whatever else. Don't you think that parents should be having those conversations? Sure. I mean, they don't have them. They don't. They don't have them. They don't. But yes, agreed. But the point is, the resources should be there because the sex is happening. It's just like you look at, we're taking a real hard turn, but but come, come with me on the ride. If you look at retirement communities... True. I know where you're going. The STD yes. rate. Or the STI S- rate. The yeah. STI rate. They're getting it on. Everywhere. All over they the place. They can't get pregnant. Yeah. They're like, ah, oh, why would I need anything? <laughs> I can't get pregnant. And then everybody's got everything the whole time. And so, like, again, there's the point. Is education, resources, the end. What if it's like, here is... Some independent reading materials. Mm-hmm. You walk in, you pick and the bookmarks are condoms. No, you pick from the I like pamphlets. my idea. Like if you identify as queer, choose this booklet, or straight female, choose this, or straight male, choose this, and we have like three options, mm-hmm. or gay male, or gay female. Like there's several pamphlet piles, mm-hmm. and you pick, or bisexual because you know mm-hmm. they've got to figure out both poor things. So if you they if, have extra reading, if extra work. gender identity stuff all too. kinds of things so yeah. yeah i think you know there's like a comprehensive yes option comprehensive here. human reproductive class but then the teachers don't have to teach it they just have to make them be quiet oh it's just pamphlets oh this is a coach class this what's is happening just, just pamphlets. that's what i'm saying it's independent reading if you are curious 
kids are curious about sex, they will read the pamphlets. Okay. Add a little bit of, you know, dad jokes, dad humor in there. Okay. Get them, you know, get them to wake up every so often when you're talking about fallopian tubes. It'll be fine. Okay. So, okay. I'm very passionate about this. Okay. But let's, let's examine this closely. Okay. (laughs) What if the straight male dudes, right? They pick up the, so are they picking up a flyer that tells them about their own body parts? Yes. And, well, how to have intercourse with who they're choosing in the, at that time. So, it'll well, be like, straight male, this. So, you, and pick up, you pick up the pamphlet. You pick up one for who you are and one for who you want to have sex with? No, one pamphlet for who you are and who you'll have sex with. Oh, that's so many more pamphlets. I know, that's what I'm saying. Comprehensive. Mm. I, so, okay. I like the energy, but this is what I... This is what I'm suggesting. Now you know why abstinence only is so much easier. <laughs> They're just like, don't have sex. Okay, please color quietly. Say Nancy Reagan, just say no. <laughs> but that was to drugs, which sex yeah. is another drug, but uh, well, kind of. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, here's what I'm proposing. Okay. The all-encompassing pamphlets that you have. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in my world. Okay. Yeah. It's not a but, like, reasonable solution. No, no. In, in the, I imagine them all color-coded and it gets oh, very of course. confusing. Oh, the rainbow. Yes. But what I, I'm suggesting, like, all that kind of all-encompassing stuff. It just looks like a Home Depot low, like a Home Like Depot a paint Lowe's cart, paint, little paint. Paint swatches. Like, there's yeah. that many. Okay. That's going to be really confusing for the kids. And then okay. I feel like they're just going to look at boobs. I mean, because who doesn't love boobs? No, we won't make them look sexy. Oh, just anatomically correct. Yep. So one's a little smaller than the other. Okay, gotcha. Well, anyway, the point I was going to say is the whole class, you just cover all of it. So the straight dudes will at some point hear about everything else. And maybe in the course of that, we gain empathy. You know... That too, but also <laughs> anal sex because mm-hmm. straight men like to have anal sex, but mm-hmm. they don't like to talk about how they like to have anal sex. Agreed. Yeah. So when I think about, you know, the the challenges and then the ultimate bannings of this book, it's mm-hmm. got to be because of the sex. It's not because they talk about the N word or they talk about what well, might. I mean, the sexual assault. They'll probably try to just come up with everything. It's probably everything. But, yeah. you know, so that's that's kind of what I think about, like, when we look at queer sex education, what mm-hmm. that looks like, what that means. Because figuring it out by yourself is really scary. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know. I don't know that I would have been comfortable learning about it in school. Oh, well, you're deeply uncomfortable when they're just telling you about your own body parts. I agree. I know. Like I said, I have a visceral reaction to fallopian tubes. It's a problem. But at the same time, figuring it out on my own was really scary, too. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about they're losing, they're losing their virginity twice. Mm-hmm. So they have sex at 21 with a frat brother's friend. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just a really sweet moment. Like that first. Yeah, because they'd kind of known each other and there was a connection. I was just like, I love this for you. I really did. I was like, this is. And they were like, yeah, I'm just trying to have that, you know, trying to figure out which energy the other guy Mm -hmm. had so they could be like, okay, I'm just going to stay 
I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the top and I'm going to have this energy and I'm going to, you know, cause like that was, that was all they had to go off of, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I just, I really loved it. Didn't, didn't love as much the next one. I just, I was like, oh, I don't want you to be in pain. I don't, I don't want you to be in pain. But I did like that they were like, it, it hurt, but I could tell that this guy was enjoying it, was enjoyed, but also didn't, wasn't trying to wasn't hurt me. Wasn't trying to like do it on purpose to hurt yeah. me. Yeah. 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 And there's stuff that you do in sex that hurts whether you've done it before or not. Like mm-hmm. it's just, bodies are weird and they stretch and stick out and they do all kinds of things and. Smell funny sometimes. smell funny. Yeah. And they make noises. All oh, kinds of noises. The, see, that was the thing nobody warned me about in sex. <laughs> nobody warned the me noises. about the noises. What about the talking with all the lesbian sex? Oh yeah. That's, I love that okay, part. Okay. So you didn't need a warning for that? I didn't. It was like so delightful. Like it was like. The best kept secret, like more people would be lesbians if they knew that there was so much talking. You really think more people would be lesbians if they knew this talking was involved in sex? It's not a therapy session. <laughs> I think you're over uh, <laughs> overestimating how amazing the, the talking is. Well, no. Okay. Maybe I'm overselling it, but I just, I love it because it's, you know, you're checking in with each other and you're like, do you like this? Does this feel good? Do you like that? When you want me to do something different? Is this blah, blah, blah? Like... It's just great. What's interesting to me about the two experience, the the first two experiences, and I like that they mention that they lost their virginity twice mm-hmm. because I think I think queer sex can be whatever you feel comfortable saying it is, mm-hmm. right? Whether that's oral or mm-hmm. penetrative or whatever. Um, so when they explicitly said like top and bottom, I thought that was important. Yeah, but um, was. That neither of them was really like a deep, like loving relationship, mm-hmm. and I kind of wanted that for them. Well, you know, maybe just getting just, to know them through the whole book. Maybe they just hadn't no found I know. that yet. I'm just saying, like that was kind of like my bum. Like you can have sex with whoever you want, whenever you want. But I know, like for me, it's just like that connection with someone you really deeply care about. Yeah, is important. Well, I think you and I are very, very similar that way. That um the relationship that you build with that person that you choose to have sex with is a very big part of it for us. Um, And like, I know when I was first coming out, I wrestled a little bit with, am I Demi or not? Like, do I need to fall in love with somebody before sex? Turns out no. But, um, you know, I, cause I do really, Sex with somebody that I'm deeply connected with is just a different thing than, hey, we hooked up for one night stand. I just completely different ballparks, like different games. Um, And I mean, you know, that's my unique experience. Obviously, I'm not everybody else. So, you know, I I don't know. I mean, it was interesting to kind of see to get the framing of what that felt like for them. And it was really sweet. And I, I really liked that, that we got taken on that part of the journey and got to experience what that was like. Cause I mean, don't be alarmed. I am not a gay man. What? I know I, I have had to fooled for a minute, but you know, so I don't know what that's like. And, um, you know, it, it, I think we can always benefit from better understanding people that are different than ourselves. 
So how did you feel about the writing of the sex scenes? Did you feel like they were appropriate? Did you feel like it was just the information that you needed to get the gist of what was happening? Because that's what yeah. I felt. I felt like it was just a scene between two people. Like yeah. it, just, it didn't I, feel overly done. It didn't no. feel understated. It just felt like it is. It felt it's like what it is. I think you're you're dead on. Like if somebody was like, if I said, "Hey George, what was that like for you?" and they were like, "Well, here, let me lay it out for you. This is what happened." That's their answer. There, the end. Yeah, it like didn't it was feel salacious. Mm-mm. No, it it just felt very matter of the fact. Here's what happened, and every piece of information you got gave you the context that you needed to understand it. Uh, I thought it was um, absolutely beautifully written book. I mean, definitely a hard read in a couple places because you just, your heart aches for the experiences that they went through because, I mean... It wasn't easy. Mm-mm. Actually, it was quite difficult many times. Yeah. Human stories are usually messy, usually painful, um, but... Again, that's a commonality we have. None of us are perfect. None of us have had perfect upbringings. Everybody can relate to trauma of some type, even if those traumas differ than our, you know, are, are different than ours. So what's your rating? Well, okay, so I think at this point, I'm just going to say... Are we just going to rate them all five rainbows? No, mine's different. Oh, no. Is yours a five out of five rainbows? Okay, because I just love all of them because they're so different. And I just, I love them all and how, I don't know, it's just hard. I'm not a professional reviewer. I don't know if you know this about well, me. Well, let me give you my rating. So okay. there were just moments along the way where I kept wanting to read more from that situation or that story, and I just wanted more. Mm-hmm. And I also felt like it just kind of ended. Mm-hmm. And I know they're young, but mm-hmm. I just I just felt like there could be a little bit more. And so I give it four out of five rainbows, just because I felt like, and maybe that's just me being selfish as the reader. Like I you really just loved, wanted more. I just wanted more of their stories, and I just loved the storytelling, and it was just... It was so, it wasn't always easy to read, but it was mm-hmm. easy to fall into. Yes. And it was yeah. easy to become a part of their world and get to know their people and their family and their fraternity brothers. And you just mm-hmm. felt like you were a part of it. And just, it's very often hard for nonfiction to really put you in those moments with those people. Yeah. That you feel like you are with them. I, I agree with that. I really, uh, it hooked me. I, I read it pretty quickly. Because I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I agree. I especially, I wanted, I wanted more. So basically, we want to put them in a time machine, <laughs> send them into the future, have them finish it, and then come back into the past and release it. Or would you settle for a part two and then you'll raise it to five out of five rainbows? I'll take a part two, but I would like it to come out in a special edition where the two are, are in together. One. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you don't want like a top edition, bottom edition? Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. I kind of just want to like buy a bunch of copies of this and like throw it around at a pride parade at Youth. No, at no, no. Youth I, of America. No. Okay. So we buy a bunch of copies. Okay. And then we. St- trying to think of a way to say this that doesn't make us sound like we need to be on a list 
um, how can we get this in the hands of, of queer youth that need it, that are going to schools that have banned it? Well, we could donate a bunch to resource centers, LGBT resource centers. Okay. There's one in Dallas. There's one in Austin. There's some throughout the state. There might be one in Houston. I mean, Ooh, it's Houston. Houston and, has to have one. And we could uh, we could shove them in free little libraries. Yeah. We could look up because they. Ooh, oh my gosh. Okay. So they, they have a map of them. Libraries? Yes. Yeah. They have a map. Like you can go online. You can find a map of all the free little libraries around you. And if you were so inclined, you could put queer books in. All of them. So if you're buying books for this, yes. or you have a bunch anyway because you're queer and you read books, so you have yes. queer books. Yes. You could just take your extras and put them, put them there. Put them in. Put them there. Oh gosh, I love this. I hope all of you are taking notes. I hope we're taking notes. I have a bunch of books we can do that with. Are you I, taking, I'm, taking I'm not notes. taking notes. You're taking notes. I have notes? a note on my phone. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Seriously, I have a note on my phone. Okay. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm in charge of pressing buttons on the computer. <laughs> All right, well, next month is June. In, indeed. Indeed, it is June. Which indeed, it is June. Happens to be Pride Month. Oh, wait, did I give my number for this book? Oh, no, you didn't yet. Sorry. 4.5. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. What was 4. your 5. rationale, please, Rainbow. ma'am? I wanted more. I, I agree. You took I wanted mine. more. Can I not agree with you? I thought you liked it when I agreed with you. I, well, because I'm usually right. Yeah. But, you were going to give it a five, and I feel like I diminished your rating because I was like, I want more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. How about this? I go five, you go four, they get a 4.5. Okay, fine. Does, that, does okay. that sound fair? It does. Okay, so June is coming out. It's Pride Month, so we tried to think about some Pride reads, which mm-hmm. was very hard to pick. Because everything is queer. Everything is queer. So I chose... The Love is Love graphic novel anthology yes. by DC. Yes. It's amazing. It is. I've I'm read it. That. Can't wait to read it again. Yes. And then Like a Love Story. I haven't read that one. I'm excited to read it. Which takes place in mostly in the 80s. So there's a little bit of historical significance there. So mm-hmm. that was hard, hard choices. But those are our two picks. Um, and you can check our website at allqueerherepod.com. And we will have our upcoming uh, books for upcoming episodes posted there, uh, along with dates that those episodes will come out. So that way, you'll be in the know on when to get your reading done by, so you can follow along, if you follow along. If you don't, hey, now you know what happened in the book, and you can go buy it and put it in somebody's free little library. So that all the queer youth can read it that's everywhere. Like, that's like the ultimate queer bomb. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that is what we should call it. Hashtag queer bomb. Or queer book bomb. <gasps> queer book bomb. Is that too long? No, I like that better because then it designates that it's a book. Um, whereas queer bomb sounds like, it, I don't know. A bunch of gays at a bar. Oh, that's way more fun. No, I was going to say like the same people banning books. will be like, ah, the queers are going to attack us. No, we just want books. <laughs> well, they would jump there. They would jump there. We're like, no, we legitimately just want books. Right. So, sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, until then, we're all queer here. Yes, we are. <laughs>